Hey everybody, I'm Brian Clapp, VP of Content and Engaged Learning at WorkinSports.com, and this is the Work in Sports Podcast. Incredible week at Hashtag Sports Virtual Conference. For those of you that had a chance to tune in, thank you. For those of you that didn't, no worries, I'm not going to hold it against you. Quick recap, Work in Sports sponsored the Job Recovery Summit, which included three hours of career-changing content. We had a LinkedIn specialist teaching new techniques in profile building, sessions on career development from HR managers, CMOs from the Boston Red Sox, Sirius XM, and Milwaukee Bucks discussing the changing fan experience and how to capitalize on it in the future. I mean, incredible sessions. And we had three sessions that I hosted. One session with podcast all-stars John Ferguson, VP of People and Culture for Monumental Sports Entertainment, Callie Franklin, SVP of and head of talent and recruiting for Overtime Elite, Mark Coscarello, Senior ta- uh, Talent Acquisition Manager for the USGA, and Mark Gress Jr., partner at Prodigy Search, four of my faves, knocking it out of the park. We had a session with four amazing young professionals trying to break into the industry and being embraced by it as minorities in sports, Jalen Mitchell, Adrian Washington, Destiny Jones, and Gerald Taylor. For those of you that listen to our Moving Forward series in October of last year, which is a four-part series dealing with many different minorities trying to break into the industry and hearing the world from their perspective. You'll recognize the names that I just listed off because those are four of the all-stars from that series. I just love, love, love the four of them. They're so impressive. Uh, And then a one-on-one with Joan Lynch, a two-time podcast guest, one of our all-time hits. Like Everybody loves Joan because she's amazing. Uh, she's a massive star. She's an amazing person. And she was talking about the future of work. So we really dug into all those conversations. It was amazing content. I'm, a, I'm thrilled with how it went. Like I said, if you were able to attend, please hit me up on LinkedIn. Tell me what you thought of the event. Because ser- I, I seriously want all your feedback. As I was telling some members of our staff, I go through, I'm hosting three of these panels, right? And you know there's a lot of important people watching these. And it's different. When you're doing a podcast, you can edit it afterwards, right? If I do a classroom session and it could have 300 people, that's, that's, that's stressful, right? But if I'm doing a session that has possibly thousands of people and it could be some of the most important people in the sports industry, there's some nerves that take over. And I've been doing this a long time. So I go through massive anxiety just before events start. And then about 30 seconds before air, like literally like 30 seconds before It's this weird euphoria of focus where I completely, all those anxieties go away. I lock in and I don't hear anything else but the panelists. Like there could be a tornado full of bowling balls landing on my house and I wouldn't know it. I get this weirdly locked in phase, which I really love. I mean, I think it's kind of like what people say about a runner's high. You know, like people I know who are big runners will tell you about, oh yeah, 10 miles in, I hit this runner's high where it's this total euphoria and I don't even feel anything anymore. And it's all like groovy and awesome. And I, I seek this feeling out. That's why I run. I've never had that happen as a person that doesn't necessarily like to run. I like to be active, very active, but I don't like to run per se. Um, I've never felt that runner's high, but I kind of feel like this is it in my own world and scope is that I can really lock in during some of these panels. So my point is, I'd love your feedback because sometimes I get so locked in that I don't see the forest through the trees. You know, I don't even know if the conversation went as well as it felt. So if you did listen and you do have any feedback for me, please hit me up on LinkedIn. I want to hear it. 
Panels also go by really, really fast, so we decided to build some bonus content, a separate interview with just John Ferguson and Callie Franklin. As you know, two of my all-time favorites. If you went to the conference, you should be getting an email from us soon inviting you to check out the bonus content, and I suggest you do. If you didn't go to the conference, never fear. I'm going to release it as a podcast at the end of July. So I'm going to wait a little bit. I want to give all those people that did attend a little bit of an extra benefit of getting it faster. But I do want you guys to get access to this because I got John and Callie in the same conversation and the two of them hit it off so well that like I could practically sit back and they could carry the conversation. But it's awesome. It's such good stuff. It's some of my favorite content ever. Okay, so stay tuned for all that. That's a nice little preamble there of all the things that are happening in our world. And I hope that uh, you are all as excited as I am to have this conversation. Let's jump back into the stat line. Quick update. We're a couple months now into the iHire merger, and things are paying off big time. Check this. Stat number one, active jobs, 28,348. All-time high. Like 3,000 more than when we finished off with work in sports where we had just capped the 25,000 mark. Didn't finish off with work in sports. Work in sports still exists, but it, I am saying like uh, this merger where we're uncovering many more jobs due to the relationships and better tools and better connections that iHire has, it's amazing. and it totally helps you out in our community. Stat number two, because 28,348 was stat number one. Stat number two, 5,836 new jobs were added over the last week. That's insane growth. For those of you who've been listening for a long time, if we hit like 3,000 new jobs in a week, that was like, whoa, that's a lot of jobs. 5,836, it's a lot of opportunity. Make sure you're checking it out, which averages out to stat number three, averages out to 833 jobs added each day. Each day. That's a lot of opportunity and a lot of reason to keep coming back and looking and learning, Okay. So part two of the stat line is jobs, three cool jobs, right? I just pick them out. No rhyme or reason. Sometimes there's rhyme or reason, but a lot of times it's just like, that looks cool. Let's talk about it. So first job, wrestling coach in Hawaii. Need <laughs> I say more? I mean, like, do I need to sell this anymore? It's a high school wrestling coach job. I, it doesn't even matter to me. It's in Hawaii, period. Okay, job number two, <laughs> Disney streaming services is looking for a product manager who will develop requirements to help innovate and enhance our sports and entertainment products, including the NHL, ESPN Plus, and Star Plus brands. It's cool. You'll work cross-functionally with teams across engineering, design, research, and analytics to deliver exceptional products. So that's what a product manager does. A product manager is going to work across many different groups and get them all working together and manage the entire flow of projects. So and deliver on products. So this has got a great marketing vibe, but in sports, which is super cool. Okay, job number three, digital content producer for SiriusXM. Now I'm a content guy, so you know these jobs always jump out at me. But SiriusXM is looking for a talented and proactive sports enthusiast to join the digital content team to support digital distribution of sports content across own channels. Okay. The digital content producer for sports will work closely with the digital content team. Boy, these they're, they're really throwing out digital content a lot in this uh, job description. And their programming team to create digital and social media content for distribution across SiriusXM sports distribution. I, I think we probably could have written this job description a little bit better. No offense to my friends at SiriusXM. But the point is, there's a lot of social and digital work across sports channels with a really broad, big audience through SiriusXM. And if you're into content and you're into social and you're into digital space, 
is a good gig for you. So check that one out too. All those are active on workinsports.com as of the time I wrote this, which was, I don't know, within the last 20 minutes. Okay, let's get into it today. Our question of the day from Gerald in Oregon. You ready for it? I am. Let's get in. Okay. Hey, Brian, whether you know it or not, you have been advising me for years. I know this is the first time I've reached out, but I've been a huge fan of the podcast and you've profoundly changed my perspective and approach on so many career-focused initiatives. Damn, Gerald, thanks. I started listening when I was a junior in college and I graduated last year and just landed my first full-time gig in the sports industry. One thing I haven't heard you talk about, which I really need right now, is advice on starting a new gig. What should I expect in my first month, and what can I do to really stand out for the right reasons? Okay, Gerald, this is a great question, and I love it when audience members notice gaps in our content coverage and express your needs and wants. You're on a journey, right? And at one point in your life, you're like, I need all the advice I can get for how to get a job. And then when you get the job, it's like, okay, the next part for me is learning, what do I do now? So keep emailing your questions. Everyone, everybody out there, wherever you are on the journey, email your questions. There's no bad content, right? There's no bad creation we can do in this phase. I want our content to be as useful as possible. And the only way I can do that is if you guys and gals are telling me what you want to know. So Gerald, thank you for this. To give me a content idea and to handle a question, email me, bclap at workinsports.com. Clap has two Ps, B-C-L-A-P-P at workinsports.com. Yeah, that's my actual email. It's the best way to get me. The best way to make sure I don't just skim right past it is to make the subject line, work in sports podcast question. I will notice that. So if you send me an email with a podcast question, I want to check it out. I want to consider putting it on the show. And if you like having your name mentioned like Gerald in Oregon, you'll do it. So go for it. Okay, let's get that again. Great topic. A lot of people in our industry are finding work. And I, I know it can seem like hyperbole, but every day I go on LinkedIn now, it's more and more of my connections or people that I'm tangentially connected to that are celebrating new employment. And I think that's awesome. The uptick in employment activity is real. As I mentioned, I just talked to Callie Franklin from Overtime Elite, and she's hiring around 70 roles right now. John Ferguson from Monumental Sports, which is the Wizards Caps Mystic, said he's got about 60 open spots. Hiring is surging, which means a lot of people are starting new roles. So let's walk through some ideas for your first month on the job in like a do and don't kind of format. Okay. Do. Smile, make eye contact, and get to know people. This is a major focus of week of month one. Okay, look, it's harder working remote. But a lot of roles are coming back to the office, and sports roles tend to be in person anyhow. The idea is stays relevant whether you're remote or in person, but you want to be known around your new office as open and approachable, kind and welcoming. A simple smile and introduction with eye contact go a long way to setting up who you are. I had a boss once, okay? So I was the news director at Fox Sports Northwest, and my boss was the general manager. And I used to admire the way he handled himself in every room. Whenever he entered a room, it didn't matter if it was with the president of the Seattle Mariners or the CEO of the Seahawks. He would walk up, stand tall, eye contact, and say, hi, Mark Shukin, Fox Sports Northwest. Right away, you knew this is the guy that's in charge. He just had this aura about him. 
And I feel like that's something all of us should embrace. Now, maybe not quite as as powerful as he used to do it, um, but th- there's a there's a a naturalness that comes out of that if you can it establishes you. So as you're getting to, to work at a new organization, no person is beyond getting to know, right? Smile, make eye contact, you know, introduce yourself, say hi. It doesn't have to be like, oh great, let's sit down and do lunch and talk about our live stories. No, simple stuff. Okay. Start to build a reputation of yourself as someone who is kind and approachable. It's very simple. And you do that through smiling and making eye contact and showing an effort to get to know people. When you say like, Hey, I'm new around here. I'm Brian. I just started last week. Somebody else is going to respond and give their, their name and their role. And you can ask a quick question and be like, so what do you do around here? Oh, cool. Great. Great to know you. Thanks. I'm sure I'll see you around. Just doing that stuff does make a lot of difference. Okay. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Starting out, I was so afraid to ask questions of peers or managers for fear that they would all think I was inferior or incapable. It was like this blockage in my brain saying, if I ask a question, they're going to think they're better than me, or they're going to think I'm dumb, or they're going to think I can't do the job. That's ridiculous. And this is something I've reflected on a lot. And that's a self-conscious thing that I was doing. I was presenting strength when actually I was fearing, feeling full of fear. So that's dumb, right? So let's break all that down. And I'm saying that of myself so I can say that I was being dumb. Like I wouldn't say that about somebody else, but I can say it about myself. You must ask questions. It shows curiosity, a desire to know the right way to perform your job, and an overall level of care. Not asking questions leads to mistakes and faking it. And that looks a lot worse. Now, people will tell you this whole fake it till you make it. Again, that's bull crap. If you are faking things, what that means is, A, you're not learning the right way to do things. And B, when mistakes start to happen or something's happening in the moment, you don't know how to course correct. You don't know how to fix things. You don't know the right way to do things. Quick example, when I first started at CNN Sports Illustrated, we had these really fancy new uh, recording decks, right? At the time, I mean, it was 1996. They're probably old now. They're probably like doorstops somewhere. Anyway, the point is, I could not figure out for the life of me how to adjust the audio on these machines. And so I would fake it by twisting things until it got to where I thought it should be and it would work and I'd be like, great, we're good to go. But what happens when like the, the pressure's dialed up? What happens when I've got something urgent to do and I don't really know how to do this job? I'm going to make mistakes and it's going to be worse because it's going to go out to the entire world. It would have been so simple for me to say, hey, can somebody walk me through this? Can somebody show me this again? Having a little humility and trying to learn the right way to do things rather than faking it. Don't fake it. Ask questions. Learn. Be open to learning. Okay. Now, this is going to sound contradictory, but the next do next do is try to figure some things out yourself, too. Now, I'm saying this to temper the last point. If you are always asking people questions about things you should be able to start figuring out, that's not really a good sign either. Like, you don't want to be asking the same questions over and over again. You want to put your, you also don't want to be asking the same person questions that they're feeling like, all right, I, mean, I feel like I've explained this to them before. They need to start get, digging into these things. You don't want to be the person needing their hand held always and never really reaching to figure things out. My goal, my thought is in this is that you, you take lessons that you're being taught, you stretch to figure them out as you're going through it in practice. And if you still can't, then you ask questions, but always give it a try first 
and try to learn from that. Like, don't fake it, but try things and be like, okay, I think I remember where they said that file is. Let me go look for it first, rather than just asking somebody, hey, where's that thing again? You know, try to put in, put in the work of the things that you're being taught. And it's going to not only stick better, but other, there's not going to be any animosity between coworkers who are like, dude, why am I always walking this person through everything? So there is a balance. And that's why I'm saying, don't be afraid to ask questions, but also don't rely on asking questions on everything. You have to show an ability to start doing some things too. Okay. Don't overcommit. Often when people start a new gig, they want desperately to be known as saying yes to everything, which is good in theory but doesn't always pencil in reality. If you go to every meeting, say yes to every project, take on every bit of extra work, you are going to get sloppy and or stressed. Be aggressive, say yes as often as you can, but don't overdo it, don't overcommit. The best way to prevent against this is have an open dialogue with your boss to understand what's needed and expected of your role versus what is extra. Do a little bit extra, but don't go crazy. Okay, don't try to do it all in the first month, excuse me, hiccup there. Don't try to do it all in the first month. Like I said, it sounds good. Like I'm going to go after everything. I'm going to be known for saying yes to everything. It sounds good on a poster somewhere, but it rarely works out that way. A lot of mistakes happen when you overcommit and spread yourself too thin. Focus in on those tasks that are core to your role, that are most important to your boss that you get to know, that are essential. And, and then once you get those, start to reach outside of that, but don't overcommit. Do learn the tools and process. This is the most important one. Every organization has processes that guide their teams. That's how everything operates. They have a process for the marketing team. If we're doing an email campaign, this is how we do it. If we're doing a social media post, this is how we do it. If we're saving files, we, this is where we put them. You know, like everyone has a process. Focus here early on. Learn how things run so you can start to seamlessly fit in. That is one of the most important things you can do. You have to operate as they operate, which means you're going to learn their techniques and styles. Now, for example, if your last company did everything in Excel, and now the new company you're going to uses a different tool to manage projects, it doesn't just put everything in a spreadsheet. There's all these different functionality and processing tools that they have. You're, it's on you to be that person learning the new stuff, the new pro tools, the new processes. Don't be the person living in Excel and sending out project briefs in a spreadsheet because everyone else is working in a different, different way. They're not fitting into you, you're fitting into them. The most important thing you can do is start adapting and learning the new processes to get things done. On the same front, every organization has productivity tools. Focus here. If you learn the tools and the processes, you will start making a positive impact and impression very early on. Just knowing how they operate and not being having, being having to be told all the time. Like when your boss starts to see that you're just doing it in the way they want it done, that's the impression you want to make. Okay. Don't compare everything to your last job. This is somewhere I still mess up even to this day. And when I come, when the words come out of my mouth, I feel so foolish sometimes. And I'm like, ugh. Tell me, you know, Chris Farley moment. If you find yourself saying, well, at my old company, we used to do things this way, or in college, we were taught to do it like this. If you find yourself saying that more than a few times, you're probably starting to annoy people. You are here now. You aren't there. And you'll have the opportunity to inject your vision and thoughts, but don't keep citing where you used to be. Because what your coworkers start to hear is, 
when we did things better at my old job, this is, this is how we did it. And it's a, it's a pretty big turnoff. It really is. You can still make suggestions, but don't preface everything with any added qualifiers. Just have a viewpoint you want to share. You don't have to say, at my old job, we did X. Just say like, oh, have you guys ever thought about doing it this way? Would that work in this scenario? Have an opinion. Just if you're trying to always compare it to, well, when I was over here, when we did things better, it was like this, you know, uh, it can start to be tiresome pretty quick. Do find a buddy in the building. When Work in Sports was bought by iHire, our team had to fit into their systems and processes. So this is something I'm speaking of right now with some recent experience. It was like starting a new job for the first time in many years for me. Um, and iHire has this really great policy. Every new employee has a buddy on the team. So for me, shout out to Aaron Schwartz, my buddy on the marketing team. My buddy wasn't my boss. She is an equal on the team with more experiences, more experience in the processes and procedures who I could go to with questions. She became my, my hub for answers. It centralized the process and gave me someone to lean on with my questions. Plus, she's cool, which made it even better helping me feel connected to a new team all at once. Now, she may have a different view, complaining about having to be my buddy, but I'm going to run with this idea of it being awesome for both of us. Point is, if your organization doesn't do it for you, find someone on equal or near footing who you're starting to connect with, who's been with the company longer than you, and lean into them with questions, fears, and concerns. Have them double-check your understanding of process. Hey, I think we do things like this. Is that correct? before you get you know, too, down, too far down the rabbit hole. If you have a project to deliver, ask nicely if they can take a look and make sure it's the right format before you deliver. You, know, you don't want to build out a PowerPoint presentation then find out that they have a slide format that they use for everything. Like, Just ask those kind of questions up front before you go too deep I mean, and trust in that person. And then remember, I think, is that you should do something nice for them. I mean, if they're helping you, let them know they are appreciated. So after the first month, give them a gift card or something. It doesn't have to be crazy, but just let them know how important it has been for you to have them on your side. Now, if it's a friend that you're starting to make and you're hanging out outside of work, that might be a little bit weird. But if it's not that, and if it's somebody that's just like, somebody's really helped you out in the process and, and you're like, you feel good about doing that and just saying, hey, thanks, you made my transition so much easier. I don't know. I think little things like that can just mean a lot. I think, you know, if you go by the idea of be kind, um, it always seems to work. Hmm. Go figure. Final do. Keep connected with your boss in a very efficient manner. There's a balance between over and under communicating with your boss. You don't need to tell them every step you make, but you do need to make sure you are hitting the mark on your work and on their expectations. So, Schedule one on if, if your company doesn't already have this policy, schedule one on one time with them once a week and make it a pointed time to reflect on what you have learned and where your challenges are. Do not, a big mistake people make is trying to give off an aura of perfection with a new boss. When you get on, when you get one on one time, don't waste it by saying everything's great, nothing to worry about, everything's fantastic, awesome. You know, be honest, reflect, ask good questions, and take the opportunity to learn their style, wants, and needs. Think about that last part for a second there. You're likely going to be working for this person for a long time. So be a good listener to best understand what is important to them, how they work, where their motivations are, what their big goals are to accomplish. You know, you, you want to learn what makes them tick and how you can fit with that. At the same time, ask provoking questions. Can you give me feedback on this project? Are there added tasks I should be picking up? Are there specific things I could learn that will make your job easier? 
Make sure every moment you have with your boss is an extremely effective use of both of your times. Do these things or don't do these things and you'll be on track for a great first week and month. And that's what we're going for here, people. We're on this journey together. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being fans of our show. Thank you. Please rate, review, subscribe, all those important things because that helps us grow. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening and I will talk to you all on Wednesday. 